to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of DWZ, that's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own Rookie Rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas, and you can find me on Twitter at SaladGalore, that is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L followed by Galore. Um, Guys, it's great to be here. We are officially out of the uh, Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl content. Um, If you have not been following along the last couple weeks, go ahead and check those episodes out. I cover basically the preview the recaps and the standouts from those games um i give you deep dives on the standouts afterwards my initial observations um just as you guys know with my general uh, draft process not a lot changes until we get to draft time for me even with the combine so it was more of just confirmation bias more than anything i just wanted to see them do what they did throughout their college careers at these uh you know these shrine and MVP games and whatnot, and uh, yeah, so I talk about that quite a bit. But we are now transitioning into the fun, fun, fun part of the offseason outside of those bowl games. We are now going to be looking at the free agency period leading up specifically into the NFL draft content. Um, Before we go into free agency, I am actually just dropping a fun little episode because I know that you guys like your mocks. These episodes come out on a Monday. So this week's episode to start off kind of the actual, um, let's see, the actual off-season period that we all clamor for um, going into the free agency and draft period. We're going to go a good old dynasty mock um except it's not for the rookie mocks this is the actual nfl gm mock so we are using multiple dynasty war zone content creators from our team as well as multiple patreon members from our very own patreon group to go in and play gm for all 31 of the uh first round picks in this upcoming NFL draft. Um, there are trades, there are live trades and actual value picks that are sent in between individuals of each team. Um, basically, we went with someone that holds the team dearly to their heart to pick for them and you know play GM as they see fit, not the noise that they think is going to happen, not really the um, picks that a lot of people would anticipate these people to be having. More so, we are looking at what we would do if we were in control of the team. So um, without further ado, let's just dive on in. I've got a little bit of analysis to give you as well based off of these picks and based off of what the content creators and Patreon members said they were picking these people for. Um, Starting off the bat with the number one overall pick, we do have my very own Chicago Bears, and it should be a shock to no one that I indeed was in charge of the Chicago Bears. But I am not picking at number one. I made a trade with Mr. Memphis Young in control of the Indianapolis Colts at four. Um, The swap here from the Colts to come up to the number one position, uh, the Bears would be sending the first overall pick and the 176th pick in this year's draft to the Colts in exchange for Mr. DeForest Buckner, the fourth overall pick, the number 79 overall pick, and a future second round pick next year. So nothing wild, not multiple firsts or anything like that. Um, Indianapolis is able to dish out a large contract and get it off the books in the form of Divorce Buckner. The Chicago Bears get an insurance policy based off of who is going to be left for them at number four, getting a gangbuster 
you know, guy in DeForest Buckner to anchor that perfect defense that Eberflus is used to and honed in in his time in Indianapolis, as well as pick up a third and a second round pick just to move still in that range to get hopefully one of the two defensive players that would be left for them. On the flip side, the Indianapolis Colts are the ones that shocked um, pretty much no one by moving up to the first. Memphis moved up. Uh, he wants to preface it was mainly for the content sake. Uh, he is not positive that he would have moved up. I think he's a lot more comfortable with just sticking where he was at number four and letting the quarterbacks fall as they were. Um, but this this trade is like pretty much locked and loaded at this point to happen. So without further ado, the first number one overall pick was Mr. C.J. Stroud. Um, you know... Memphis is just not a fan of Bryce Young. Uh, it's the size thing and everything like that. He is very much <sighs> he, he he's very much invested in Steichen as an offensive mind who's able to mold a quarterback who may have some deficiencies in other areas as long as they're not tiny, which I completely agree. Um, as of right now, CJ Stroud is my quarterback one as well, so I probably would have went the same route as opposed to Bryce Young, but what that ended up doing was pushing down Bryce Young to go number two to the Houston Texans with our very own Brian Ford and content host on and Divi Fever, um, but we are looking right now. He went with Mr. Bryce Young. Um, for him, Bryce Young, uh, Houston, if he was the GM, he'd be thrilled if Indy traded up and made the grave mistake of drafting Will Levitz or CJ Stroud over Young. They chose Young due to the obvious need at the position, and we are most often linked to Young in the news and mocks. Um, Young is a little bit more pro-ready than Stroud is what Brian thinks and is better off platform and the longer the play goes on, which is a key skill in today's NFL. He classifies it as an A-plus pick. Um, can't really argue it. I think the Houston Texans, if they are able to stay put and not move up with the Chicago Bears, would be ecstatic to stay at number two and still get their guy. And Bryce Young is if who they are going for. The one question I would have is that offensive line currently in Houston, um, the lack of play, you know, playmakers really around Mr. Bryce Young is a little bit interesting to see what may happen here, but an overall very solid pick there. The third overall pick, um, there are a couple of draft picks in here. We did not have actual content creators or Patreon members in. Um, that was a group decision, so everything was polled, everyone got a vote, and the majority basically selected the person involved. Um, this one was pretty much a wash because everyone knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals selected Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama, um, edge defender, over 200 quarterback pressures in his three-year career, many people's number one overall prospect in this year's draft, to a surprise of no one. Um, they need edge help pretty badly in Arizona with the retirement of a guy like J.J. Watt and in all reality, Mr. Zach Allen, who is their only defensive player of note on that defensive line, most likely going away in free agency due to some cap constraints in Arizona. Um, they need to bring in multiple edge defenders and no better one than Will Anderson in this year's class. We get back to number four, and we have the Chicago Bears in a little bit of a weird situation, but I went with a pick that I think is more of a future site pick than anything. Um, they selected Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle and three-technique player out of the University of Georgia. Now, if you recall, um, I did draft four, um, basically this position, I traded for DeForest Buckner to play that three-tech role. Um, 
realistically, that allows Jalen Carter just to kind of roam across the defensive line, which would be very nice in tuning his skills quite a bit and learning from a guy who has been one of the best defensive tackles in the league since coming into the league in DeForest Buckner. Um, Kind of a redundant pick. I would have loved to have Will Anderson Jr. fall and then take Jalen Carter in Arizona. That's an option that may happen in the actual NFL draft, but is not what transpired here. But I'm not too upset about it. Ended up walking away with Jalen Carter, who is a top three consensus player in the NFL draft. DeForest Buckner, uh, you know, a future second round pick and an extra third this year. So I can't be too bad still getting a guy that realistically Chicago would probably have taken number one overall if they were to stay put. Going on to number five, we have the Seattle Seahawks coached by Mr. Big D himself. Um, Big D selected an edge defender in the name of Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Um, This is a pick that honestly makes a lot of sense for Seattle. They need a lot of edge help. Their offensive line is pretty solid after their guys that they selected in last year's draft. The weapons are still there, and odds are they're going to be locking up Geno Smith to a contract extension here in the next couple of weeks. Um, Focusing on defensive end and having a pass rush, which they were basically incapable of generating last year and caused them to lose a lot of games, including the playoff game, um, knocked them out of contention. It's kind of a locked and loaded pick. Miles Murphy, for those of you that don't know, don't follow defensive players very much. Very, very, very athletic outside linebacker slash edge prospect. Prototypical build. He's like 6'6", starting that 285 range. Athletic freak. Um, tons of potential. Tons of good tape out there, but has a little bit of inconsistency in his game and didn't produce at the high enough levels of sack totals to be you know, kind of catapulted over a guy like Will Anderson, still a very solid pick and probably the highest floor defensive edge prospect in this year's class outside of Will Anderson. Going on to the Detroit Lions at six, we have Mr. Tyler O with the first of two Detroit Lions picks here. And Mr. Tyler O went with Kylie Ringo as his first pick for DB here in this mock draft with the DWZ content creators. Um, A guy like Kylie Ringo is kind of that physical athletic freak that you would be looking for at the DB position. Um, I personally do not agree with this specific DB. I think Kylie Ringo is probably the rawest out of all of them, and he has to exclusively play on the outside in deep coverage to be truly successful. Um, I would have leaned more towards a guy that actually (laughs) didn't go until the 20s here at DB, but it is a position of need for the Detroit Lions. They need another DB. Jeff Akuda really has not found himself in the De- Detroit Lions defensive backfield. And so adding more depth around him to hopefully, you know, increase the defensive properties in a division that is up for grabs as the Detroit Lions is something that definitely needs to happen. Number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, that is Mr. Colin selected Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. Um, DB, this is one of two that I probably would have taken over Kylie Ringo out of Penn State. Um, really smooth, really solid guy overall. Um, nothing super flashy to his game, not insane ball skills, but probably the safest of the DB prospects. Just plays very, very well, specifically in zone coverage. Really hard to beat him. Really smart player. Um, liked it a lot. Going on to number eight, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Mr. Cole McGregor was in charge of the Atlanta Falcons, um, just due to me already having the Chicago Bears there. Um, But Cole selected Paris Johnson Jr. for the Atlanta Falcons. I think this is a huge, very intelligent pick by him. Um, There's pretty much 
no way that Atlanta is going to be able to keep their offensive line depth. They need a true left tackle and realistically might need a right tackle. Um, Kyle McGreary, uh, sorry, Caleb McGreary leaves in free agency here with Atlanta. Um, very likely could happen. Smart pick, smart hole fit. And as the first overall tackle off the board, it may shock people who have heard the name Peter Skoransky thrown around as pretty much the locked and loaded tackle in this year's class. But um, Paris Johnson Jr. is a slightly safer prospect. Um, a lot of people think Skoransky is most likely going to be transitioning into the guard position just due to some limitations physically. So the first tackle off the board, realistically their future right tackle, uh, Mr. Paris Johnson Jr. At number nine, we had a trade from number 10 up to number nine with Mr. Jesse. And Jesse, um, with the Philadelphia Eagles, traded up to the Carolina Panthers spot. Um, he traded away pick number 10 and pick number 95, a third this year, for the number nine pick overall. So not that much of draft capital exchanged, but still an extra pick for a team in Carolina who realistically wasn't going for this specific player. They're not concerned about Philadelphia truly sniping them on a player, most likely, due to the fact that we know Carolina is most likely going to be going quarterback next. But Philadelphia Eagles trade up to get Mr. Cam Smith out of the University of South Carolina. Um, DB, extremely physical DB, extremely violent tackler and smart underneath player um, are some limitations and question marks as to his long speed overall but truly fills a need on this Eagles team um, the secondary as we saw was slightly exposed in the actual draft time there um, not the draft time the actual Super Bowl performance there for the Eagles and it is one that is aging out they're most likely going to be losing Slay here in the next two years or so um, they're pretty much locked and loaded to lose um, Garrett Bradbury uh, as a DB2 right now. So they just kind of need depth at that position, and Cam Smith fills a role immediately, probably going to be a day-one starter for them next year if this is how it transpires. Uh, pick number 10 with the Carolina Panthers was another group decision. Um, hated the decision personally. I think that it's not truthfully an upgrade over a guy like Sam Darnold, but they selected Will Levitz out of University of Kentucky. Um, as a reminder, they got pick 10 and pick 95 for trading back one spot. Pretty good draft capital. Still able to get the quarterback of their choice between Anthony Richardson and Will Levitz. And, you know, they're rolling the quarterback die. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Carolina does. Uh, they're a team that could very easily be trading up pretty aggressively um, with some of the teams in the top five to attempt to get a better quarterback than what they were left with now. At number 11, we have another trade. Um, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers actually switching places with the Tennessee Titans. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers acquired pick 11 and pick 72 um, in order for... Where is it? Yeah, pick no, sorry, they acquired pick 11 and pick 435 from the Tennessee Titans in order for the Tennessee Titans to then get pick number 17 and pick number 72. So the Titans pick up another third round pick, an early third round pick to move back a total of six spots to trade places with the Pittsburgh Steelers who move up to get what I assume to be their starting left tackle of the future in Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Um, as I said a little bit before, Peter Skoransky, um, not a lot of question marks as his game, probably the safest floor player at the offensive line position in this year's draft, but um, are some physical aspects of his game that may question his ability to play tackle at the next level. So just overall, this Pittsburgh Steelers needs to vastly improve their offensive line, and few players in this draft could do it more effectively and more immediately than Peter Skoransky. 
going to pick number 12. You have Mr. Brian back up with the Houston Texans, and his selection is probably the biggest athletic freak in this year's draft at the defensive line position, and that's Mr. Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. Um, Tyree Wilson is a raw, toolsy player that some GMs are going to like. I don't know if D'Amico Ryan is going to like that very much, but he is a guy that is going to be drafted somewhere in the top probably 10 to 12 picks. I think 12 is about as far as he goes just based off of his athletic profile and how he's going to blow up the combine. Um, He is a guy that's very attractive for a lot of people, but filling this need on the defensive line is a must pretty much locked and loaded position that they're going to be touching now that they have a defensive-minded coach. So it makes a lot of sense with Brian's pick. Number 13 in the New York Jets, Mr. Tiggs is up to bat for this position, and he actually shocked me a little bit with this choice based off of who was still on the board and selected Mr. Michael Mayer out of the University of Notre Dame at tight end. Um, He comes in for the New York Jets, day one, becomes their starting tight end, um, and He's hoping to, you know, kind of increase the offensive output and make whoever's at quarterback feel a little bit easier about their job. Um, I think that this could have done a couple of different ways I may have liked better than what Tiggs ended up doing here. Personally, I probably would have went with one of, I would say probably one of the next three picks um, would probably have worked a little bit better. There's some questions along that offensive line going forward. There's some questions specifically at the quarterback position still. Um, This is probably under the assumption that a veteran is locked and loaded to go into the Jets. So getting another weapon is never a bad idea, especially with the kind of whiff that they had last year on an Ohio State um, named Ruckert um, player. But Michael Mayer goes to the Jets at 13. Number 14, we have RJ McCarthy locked and loaded to go in with the New England Patriots in this draft position. Um, bring in, in classic Bill Belichick fashion, a offensive tackle to replace one that they're without a doubt, going to let walk this year. Um, they bring in Broderick Jones at the University of Georgia. Big, great run-blocking offensive tackle. Very solid pick. Feels very right for the New England Patriots, and I'm glad that RJ filled a need that the team needed immediately. Um, group decision at 15 was one that was just kind of ran up to the podium. Um, if Jackson Smith and Jigba is available for the Green Bay Packers at 15, I do not think that there is any way in hell that they are not going to draft Jackson Smith Najigba, and that is exactly what we decided as a group. I would cry myself to sleep on day one of the NFL draft if this is where he ends up going. Um, my favorite wide receiver in the class from my favorite school in all of college football, um, but he's a slot wide receiver that the team is drastically going to need, whether or not Aaron Rodgers is at the helm or if they go to the first year, you know, or not first year, but I guess it would be first year starter in Jordan Love to take the reins of this team. Moving on to number 16, we have the Washington Commanders. Ooh, sorry, voice is a little hoarse. Take a sip. Okay, yeah. So we have the Washington Commanders. Um, Another group decision pick, and this is one that makes a lot of sense based off of their projected free agency, what it's most likely going to look like. Um, With the Washington Commanders, um, there are some pros and cons to constructing their defense the way that they have constructed it. Um, One pro, they have a lot of first-round picks that are very highly successful. In successive years, drafting, it's one of the best positions groups that have been put together by this defensive um, you know, analysis staff and scouting staff with the Washington Commanders of the last half decade. But the issue with having them back-to-back-to-back is that eventually you have to pay them back-to-back-to-back. And yet again, 
what we found out with Josh Sweat last year, with Josh, uh, Josh Allen the year before, and now with Deron Payne is that eventually, you know, the money's going to have to be due and you may not want to pay it all. Um, unfortunately for them, Deron Payne had a absolutely gangbuster season this last year. Um, I do think that he's going to have a very hot market in the open uh, the open free agency period if he is allowed to get there. I don't think that Washington franchise tags him because I think they have some other positions that they kind of need to fill as opposed to just keeping a D tackle when they could just draft Mr. Brian Breesy out of Clemson like they just did to fill that role immediately. Will he be Deron Payne? No. Is he as good of a run blocker as Deron Payne? No. Is he as good as a pass blocker as Deron Payne? No. But he's pretty damn good and has some good tape on the field. Makes a lot of sense. The scheme fit makes a lot of sense. And the positional scarcity and hole at this position in the draft make too much sense to ignore. Moving on to number 17, we have Mr. David Donaldson. Um, This is a pick, again, that he had switched with the Pittsburgh Steelers, acquiring that number 17 overall pick and the number 72 overall pick. Um, Looking at basically what was on the board and what his availability was, he knew that he was going to end up taking a wide receiver, and he was safe enough to drop a couple of draft slots, namely six, in order to pick up his guy. He ended up selecting Mr. Quentin Johnson out of the University of Texas Christian Southern, uh, TC University. Um, so looking at Quentin Johnson as a prospect, I think he fits this Tennessee scheme. They like their physical blocker wide receivers more so than anything else. Him with um, Burks on the other side makes a lot of sense. Really hard to physically bully as DBs, these type of wide receivers, two yak guys that you can just use this run first play action scheme to just eviscerate some defense with. Um, I think this position is probably the best landing spot for Quentin Johnson in this NFL draft. I think it would be very good for him long term. Um, and it fills a need for this Tennessee Titans team who is realistically going to be dropping Mr. Robert Woods from the roster to save some cash this offseason and are going to be once again in the need for a wide receiver in this year's NFL draft. Moving on to number 18, we have Mr. Chad Mendoza up to bat for his very own New York Giants. Um, Chad knew that he needed to select a wide receiver, and he ended up switching places with, that's right, Mr. Tyler O with the Detroit Lions to select the wide receivers before they all started falling off the board. He moved up from pick number what became 25 to pick number 17. He traded um, away, basically. Uh, so Tallero traded away, pick number 18, and was able to acquire the first round pick, so number 25, and the third round pick of the Detroit Lions, pick number 89, in you know response for that number 18 overall pick. Chad Mendoza then selects Jordan Addison out of the University of South... Uh, sorry, sorry about that. Ugh. SoCal. God, sorry, my cat is being so annoying. Um but ends up selecting him at that number 18 overall pick. Um, I didn't like the selection personally. Um, I understand the need for another wide receiver weapon, but I think it was a reactionary move after Quentin Johnson went to the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think if the Giants move up, they should be moving up in front of the Titans. Unfortunately, they would have to switch with Washington, who would probably, you know, force them into an unsavory type of acquisition cost to move up. Um, picking Jordan Addison is kind of a redundant thing for me. It feels very similar to the wide receivers that are already on the board. 
and on the roster roster and depth chart for the Giants, but he really likes the um, route running ability and separation abilities of Mr. Jordan Addison. So I get that portion, but you're still lacking that big, true X wide receiver right now. In my eyes, you just have a bunch of slots running around on that field, which is a little concerning for the Giants overall prospect outlook going forward in the next couple of years. Going on to number 19, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was a group decision, and it was unanimously a DB position. Um, I took the forefront on this one because we're getting a little bit deeper into the draft and selected Mr. Brian Branch out of the University of Alabama. Um, He may be the most solid tackler that we've seen basically in the last 10 to 15 years at the DB position. Um, His ability to tackle in the open field is pretty insane. He is technically a free slash strong safety, but I see him playing nickel at the next level. Um, Brian Branch is a locked and loaded guy. He reminds me actually quite a bit of a guy like Carl Davison. Sorry, Carlton Davis, who's already on the Bucks, who just got paid last offseason. And if Brian Branch leads there, you're looking at probably the most physical DB group, specifically corner group in the NFL fell down in Tampa Bay. Going on to pick number 20, we have the second selection for the Seattle Seahawks with Mr. Big D back up to bat, and he selected what I assume to be both a field stretcher and an inevitable replacement for a guy like Tyler Lockett on the outside in Mr. Jalen Hyatt, a speedster out of the University of Tennessee. He is a guy that it makes a lot of sense scheme fit wise. I think if they are going to bring in a wide receiver, it's going to be a field stretcher like a Jalen Hyatt. Um, I personally am not super high on Jalen Hyatt, and I probably would have picked the guy that is going to go next to the Los Angeles Chargers for them. But I understand the speed, understand the traits, and understand the role fit that he could have in the Seattle offense, eventually replacing Tyler Lockett, who is pushing 30 years old. Pick number 21 is the Los Angeles Chargers, and this once again was a group decision. Uh, The group decided that they really also needed a wide receiver, and they went with probably my most underrated and most underappreciated wide receiver in this NFL class, Mr. Josh Downs out of the University of North Carolina. Um, It is a true slot underneath guy in a very similar vein to a Keenan Allen. His ability to diagnose and just eviscerate zones is just so impressive to me. But the thing that is the difference is that he has the long speed that Keenan Allen has never had. Um, Josh Downs is extremely underrated as a prospect, and I am very excited to see where he goes. I think pairing him up with Keenan Allen, if he is still there, or to eventually replace Keenan Allen this offseason if he ends up moving, is a locked and loaded fire away pick for the Los Angeles Chargers. Pick number 22 is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, We have Mr. Brian Smith, our very own Patreon member here at the helm, and he selected Oregon defensive back Christian Gonzalez. He's a big dude. He's a big-bodied, fast mover at the DB position. His ability to move in space and make up for some of the concentration mistakes that he has is quite impressive at this position, and I understand the appeal that he's going to have. Um, He's a little raw right now, but if you look at raw prospects, we have very similar cases over the last couple of years of them stepping in immediately and being productive, so I like Christian Gonzalez this late at the pick. Uh, Baltimore typically does not whiff on their defensive prospects in drafts. And if Brian Smith thinks it's a good fit for him, I'm going to believe him because I don't know a bigger Baltimore Ravens fan than Mr. Brian. The next pick at number 23 is the Minnesota Vikings. This again was a group decision, and this is the DB that I think should have went as the first DB in this class and Mr. Devon Witherspoon out of Syracuse. Um, Minnesota Vikings 
just so badly need defensive back help. I feel like this has been an issue for them for the last like 15 years, but it's an issue that they have to fix. Um, the stopgap free agents that they keep picking in to bring in and, uh, you know, cover some holes have not been working very well for them. And bringing in Devin Witherspoon, who is the safest floor player who basically, basically no way could he, could he bust. Um, he's in a very, similar play style to a guy like Patrick Sertain a couple of years ago to the Denver Broncos. Um, I, I just love the pick here for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I was shocked he lasted this long and it was pretty easy for all of us to agree on Mr. Devin Witherspoon out of Syracuse. The next pick was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Once again, a group decision. Um, this is based off of free agency assumptions. Either the shipping off of a guy that they tagged and just recently signed in Cam Robinson as their left tackle or moving on with um, Tyler Morton out of their right tackle is a move that the Jacksonville Jaguars pretty much have to make this offseason. They're going to lose one of them. So bringing in Anton Harrison out of University of Oklahoma, um, locked and loaded, just true run blocking tackle is a position that I think they're going to be in and it's going to be very advantageous for them to even get a guy like Anton this late. Um, I think this is going to be a pretty heavy offensive line draft here going forward and being able to select a guy who I like a lot in Harrison at this position was a good decision by the group overall. Getting to the second pick for Mr. Tyler O, finally on the board here, um, selecting for his Detroit Lions. This is also a locked and loaded easy pick, in my opinion, and it is Mr. Trenton Simpson out of the University of Clemson. Um, he is a true sideline-to-sideline -side linebacker, and linebacker is still a big need for this Detroit Lions team. Um, getting a guy who can run sideline-to-sideline -side in a similar vein to the hole that they tried to fill with Jared Davis a couple years ago, and that they've been basically trying to you know piecework together in free agency since. Um, Simpson is very instinctive. Is he the biggest? Is he the most physical and run-stopping? No, but he can cover pretty much any corner of the field over the middle, and that's what you're looking for from today's modern linebackers. Number 26, you have Mr. Kyle August at the Dallas Cowboys, and we have back-to-back -back linebacker selections here. Um, he, he He's pretty adamant that um, Drew Sanders was the pick here. Drew Sanders is a guy that I think is very interesting in this year's class. Um, having Micah Parsons on the team, it makes a lot of sense why you would want to add basically the great value version of Micah Parsons in Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. Um, he is a linebacker for those of you that don't know, but he is a very lanky, big linebacker. He's like 6'6", right around 240. Could probably put on another 20 pounds and not even blink about it. And I personally think he should, and then he should play outside linebacker or edge in a 4-3 defense personally. But the thing with Drew Sanders is his run ability and keep up ability and coverage is next tier. He just is a very, very big liability in the run game right now. Um, he's not as physical as he should be for that size. So allowing him to just kind of pin his ears back and be a very hybrid player that either covers or exclusively rushes the passer in a similar vein to a Micah Parsons makes a lot of sense in Dallas. I think that's why Kyle ultimately went with him. And it's one of the few teams that I would actually really like him to go as a first round selection in this year's draft. 
Um, we are then going to round out the next couple of picks of the draft in this overall first round with a couple of group decisions. Um, the only one that was not was Mr. 30 at Mr. Jesse Schneidman, once again with the Philadelphia Eagles. But um, following the Dallas Cowboys, we had a group decision for the Buffalo Bills. Um, we ended up selecting Antonio Johnson, uh, Texas A&M safety. Uh, he is a freak. He is physical, jacked up, yoked up in a very strong tackling, strong safety. Um, the thing with the Buffalo Bills is that they're about to have a massive hole at safety on their defense. They've been piece working it together and haven't had to really work. Sorry, not piece working. They've been very steady Eddie over the last probably five to six years with Poiter and Micah Hyde being their strong and free safety respectively. Um, but the issue with both of them is that their contracts are both coming up. You have two safeties that are both 30 or older now, and you are in need of a replacement. Um, Jesse Bates makes a lot of sense in free agency here, but if they could not get Jesse Bates, or even if they did, taking another safety to truly shore up that back end for years to come would make a lot of sense for the Buffalo Bills, and that's what we ended up going with. Number 28, we have the Cincinnati Bengals, another group decision, and we went with a offensive lineman, specifically one that could be a swing tackle or a guard um, based off of the biggest need for Cincinnati this offseason with who they may lose and or have to pay, and that is Mr. Cody Mock out of North Dakota State University. Um, big mauling dude. <laughs> the, the thing that keeps getting put out is that he just looks like an offensive lineman because he's missing his two front teeth, um, but he is a very compact player. He did very, very well on the outside at at North Dakota State University, but the thing with him is that he just does not have the height or the weight to truly play as a guard, um, but he does have a lot of physicality. He's kind of a tweener player right now. Center might make a lot of sense for him, but wherever you wanted to put him on the offensive line, he'd probably do pretty decent, which is just going to be an upgrade once again for Cincinnati, who was having some major offensive line depth issues due to injuries and you know people just not playing very well this year, once again for the Bengals may ultimately be the reason that they ended up losing, uh, you know, losing their overall pick. Um, number 29, we have the New Orleans Saints. Um, the Saints are back on the board after once again acquiring a draft pick via the Broncos, um, basically recouping the first that they lost in a previous trade. Um, and they ended up selecting a guy to come in and basically do exactly what they did when they drafted Marcus Davenport. And that is getting an athletic freak of an edge that's a little bit raw and has some injury concerns that is very, very promising looking forward. Um, I think there's basically no way that Marcus Davenport comes back to the Saints. They're always in cap hell, and defensive linemen typically aren't who they pay with these cap-strapped situations when contracts come up. So Lucas Van Ness comes in out of the University of Iowa. Um, a lot of people's, including PFF's top player, uh, uh, top 10 player, just based off of how good he can be on the edge and how consistent he was in college. Um, I, I think it's a perfect fit for them. It makes a lot of sense, and I was kind of surprised that he was still on the board. The group agreed and selected Van Ness for the Saints at 29. Pick number 30 in the last actual player pick here, and manager pick was the Philadelphia Eagles. Jesse uh, locked and loaded went Clark Phillips. He would have went with Lucas Van Ness if he was available prior to this, but alas, he had to then go with Mr. Clark Phillips out of Utah. Very solid um, slot corner, in my opinion. Pretty physical, good run stuffer, great in zone, question as his long speed, um, specifically to keep up with guys that are running the seam or deep crossing routes. That's the only true knock on Clark Phillips, but a pretty solid pick. And once again, the Philadelphia Eagles in drastic need of just kind of some depth at positions that they are going to need to increase. So thus, 
Um, Jesse, with both of his picks, went two DBs basically to lock up that back end because he knows that in order to win the Super Bowl, going to have to defend a little bit better than what he was able to do in the playoffs. And then final, we go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm sorry, this was not a group pick. I selected once again for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, we flirted with the idea of bringing in a Bijan Robinson just because it would be a luxury pick for the Super Bowl champs, but a better pick for them, especially with the basically all but assured loss of an edge in the form of Frank Clark, who will be cut for his $22 million cap saving this offseason for the Chiefs. They bring in BJ Ojolari out of the University of LSU. Um BJ is very similar to his brother, who was a former second-round pick. Um, very athletic, very twitched-up run defender and good in pass rush situations. There are con- some concerns as to his vision, um, sticking with plays specifically, but he has all the tools to be a great pass rusher. And um, it, when you have a guy who's as solid as their last year's pick, <clears throat> in Karlofkis, who is able to play the run, allowing to just draft a athletic toolsy guy like BJ Ojolari, who can pin his ears back and get after the quarterback is exactly what you needed to do. That is pretty much the whole draft, guys. It's been pretty interesting. There are a total of five teams that do not have a first-round pick that we did not get to touch on. Um, those ones are later. This, again, is dependent on what they would probably do with their overall free agency period but just a quick rundown again we have the indianapolis colts selecting cj stroud the houston texans selecting bryce young and tyree wilson we have the arizona cardinals selecting will anderson we have the chicago bears acquiring deforest buckner and then drafting jalen carter we have seattle seahawks selecting miles murphy as well as jalen hyatt we have the detroit lions selecting kylie ringo as well as trenton simpson we have the Las Vegas Raiders selecting Joey Porter, the Atlanta Falcons selecting Paris Johnson Jr. We have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting both Cam Smith as well as Clark Phillips. We have Carolina Panthers selecting Will Levitz. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers moving up to draft Peter Skoronsky. We have the New York Jets selecting Michael Meyer as my biggest surprise pick in this draft. We have the New England Patriots staying steady Eddie with RJ and selecting Broderick Jones. We have the Packers selecting JSN. We have the Commanders replacing Deron Payne with Brian Breesey. We have the Tennessee Titans who had traded back selecting Quentin Johnson as a locked and loaded partner for Mr. Traylon Burks on the opposite side. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selecting Brian Branch to secure the opposite side and interior across from Carlton Davis. We have the Seattle, sorry, already did Seattle. We have Los Angeles Chargers selecting Josh Downs to replace Keenan Allen. We have the Baltimore Ravens selecting Christian Gonzalez. We have the Minnesota Vikings hopefully shoring up their defense with Devon Witherspoon. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Anton Harrison to shore up their right tackle position. They have the Dallas Cowboys selecting Drew Sanders. The Buffalo Bills selecting Anton Antonio Johnson. Sorry, not Anton. Uh, we have the Bill, uh, the Bengals selecting Cody Mock. The Saints selecting Lucas Van Ness, and the Chiefs rounding up the first round with B.J. Ojolari on the edge. It was kind of a fun exercise, guys. Obviously, some of this stuff will change, but we wanted to give you a mock of how we as a group with the Dynasty Warzone community may change our own favorite NFL teams without truly you know, mortgaging the futures, without doing any insane trades or anything that is completely out of the box with safe picks and what we think are the biggest needs for our teams. Uh, we'll be diving further into some free agency fits for me specifically 
um, based off of the outlook for the draft position for each team's in the next couple weeks prior to the combine. And then I'll be doing some combine work before it is draft time. Uh, it's been a fun week. And until next time, have a great listen. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday, and if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.